With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners Brian Siegler and Shelton Moss. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeremy Counts down at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, your friendly neighborhood pharmacy located at 301 South Main Street in Blacksburg. Welcome to Sunday night, boys. We haven't done a Sunday night one in 62 weeks, Brian? It's been a while, man. It's been a while since we rolled on Sunday night. Um not my favorite night, but you know what? We're here. We're doing it. We're we're uh, we're gonna put a good episode out there. I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about Syracuse and kind of putting a bow on the first half of the season for the Hokies. Absolutely, Sheldon. You've been a busy man this weekend. What you told us as we were uh, chatting off air here. That's right. Been been working on the company dime. They've got me uh, <laughs> performing uh, other duties as assigned. Other duties. <laughs> you gotta love that caveat, right? Like, yeah. Do, do do you get emailed this, or is it literally a face to face telling it something? Uh, no, I just I gotta. It's it's just the the nature of working in sports. Like you gotta work weekends, so yeah. You know, I signed I signed up for the job. I can't you know complain about it too much. But hopefully, there will be better days ahead. Absolutely, it will. It will. And you know, you're able to join us tonight, not on a Tuesday, because there are times where you cannot join us midweek. So it's great to have you here. As y'all can see, we are not a four pack tonight because uh, our man Tally had to take his daughter for a collegiate visit today and was going to be getting back late this evening. So again, we get it. We get it. Things like this happen to all of us and uh, somewhat impromptu. So we had to, you know, make it happen, make it work. It's life, man. Yep, that's that's, uh, that's what it is. I'm 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 happy for him and happy for her that they're uh, they're getting that opportunity. So absolutely, that's Give what it's all about. And it's Sunday night. Our me and Brian said we'll occasionally snap up because it is essentially sports, the peak sports season right now with collegiate and pro football going on. 
got the Dolphins and the Eagles and Game Six, Astros, yep. Rangers. Happening we're two, we're two days away from basketball getting going. Oh my God, it's uh, it's 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 that time of year. Yeah, man, it's great. Like yeah, man. next week is peak sports week. I don't care what anybody says. Next week is peak sports week of the entire year. Argue with me if you want, but it, I mean, it is. I mean, World Series will be starting. You're in the midst of right in the middle of the seasons. Things are starting to take shape. College football poll comes out, or the playoff picture comes out and starts. Uh, it, it's just, it's that magical time of year. Plus, it's Halloween. Oh, yeah. Halloween. And if we say that, let's go ahead and make this announcement. We will be going live next Monday night. <laughs> because ain't yeah. no way ain't you ain't gonna no see way. us on Halloween night, man. I mean, you might see me start start the the show on Monday night. You know, wearing like a I don't know screen mask or a hockey mask something or some like, shit. There but, you go, something like that. You know, we're not gonna do it on Halloween. Absolutely. All right. So tonight, what do we have for y'all? Well, as always, we've got know the enemy. We are gonna be taking a look at Syracuse Orange men, some of their players schemes. Uh, for the battle in Lane Stadium on Thursday night, which will be, I think, is a 7.30 kick. But before we get into that, uh, we want to do a little midseason grades because it's almost in our bylaws. We have to do a midseason grade. Like, if not the sports podcast host, we might have to be taking a trial because we didn't do one for our team. And um, <laughs> similar to some of the questions we had to ask Brent it's in the Pry, bylaws, they won't even let us put the show out if we don't. Yeah, do they this. won't. They're like, you can't do it unless you do this episode this week. <laughs> uh, but we're going to do some uh, midseason grades here, and we're going to look at offense, then defense, and just kind of give where we feel as a team we are. And um, let's just jump into that. And, and let's start with, obviously, the most talked about room in Hokie Nation, and that is the quarterback room. And obviously – Right now, Kyron Drones is leading the way. We did start out with Grant Wells. And, Sheldon, I'm going to start with you. What grade do you give that room for this season so far? Well, all things considered, I mean, I'd say give him a, a B-. minus. I mean, I think Kyron Drones came in for an injury. Grant Wells did pretty well. I think he's progressed in terms of his – Understanding of the, you know, the mental part of the game, making reads in the RPO game, making reads in the throwing game. I think his his accuracy has gotten better. His confidence has gotten better. And for a guy that, you know, was kind of a project coming out of high school, you know, first full time year as a time as a starter. I think there's there's a lot to like. And I think some of the, you know, PFF grades have reflected that he's done. He's done pretty well and still just a redshirt sophomore. So I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, obviously, with Wells, you can't really you know, judge based off, you know, one and a half games. But just looking at what Jones has done this year, I think I there's a lot of reasons to be very confident about how he's uh, he's developed still just a sophomore. Brian? Uh, right there with Shelton, I got a B minus. Um, and, and pretty much similar reasons. I mean, you know, you, you kind of discount everything that we saw from from Grant Wells. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this room primarily on what Jones has done and what Jones has been able to progress throughout the starts that he's had looking back, you know, that last series against Purdue um, and then kind of how he's progressed as a, as a starting quarterback since then um, it's really been good to see him get acclimated in the offense. Um, as Shelton said, get a lot more confidence running the offense. I think that was probably the thing that took a little while to kind of get there is that he knows he's a, he's a gamer. He's a baller. 
but there are times when you've got to rein that in. There's times when you got to unleash that and kind of getting that feel within the constructs of Tyler Bowen's system, I think is what took him a little while to kind of get under his feet, but I'm liking what I'm seeing and it's only probably going to get better from here. So looking forward to see what he can do on the back half here. See, I'm not that far behind y'all, but I take into the account everything that happened. I'm at like a C, C plus I, right there on that edge. And here's why, because again, the mistake was made to start Grant Wells to begin the season. You let drone start against ODU and Purdue against probably the two worst defensive teams we've seen all year. How much better are we today? So I give him an A minus. In my opinion, drones is an A minus by himself. The Wells stuff um, and how that was handled up to this point put me just slightly above average. Um, but to the what y'all both said, the maturation of Kyron is impressive because he had to come in. Don't you wish we would have went Rutgers, Marshall, then Purdue, Old Dominion? Wouldn't it that? But because he comes in against a six and two bowl eligible Rutgers team and a very good defense in Marshall. That's what he has to come out the gate against. And you saw him, he took his lumps, he took his things, and now you're starting to see him get and improve more and more with the film. So I'm at a, again, a C plus right out of C in that room. I'm going to flip to the running back room next. And even though the stats aren't there, based on everything that's going on in front of them and everything that's happened, I think the way primarily – Malachi Thomas and big shout out to Basial Tudin. Give me a B plus for that room. They are breaking tackles. They are making positive yards. And ever since the switch to drones, we see we are, every week we're going up in the offensive rushing categories. Every week, um, I want to say we're averaging now like 178 since Kyron has become the quarterback. That's that's one of those things. If you take a look at the numbers out there. 178 puts you in the top 50, roughly. If you tell me we're a top 50 rushing teams, I don't think we lose the Purdue game. I think the Rutgers game is a lot more of a battle at that point. What say you, Shelton? Yeah, I'd go, I'd go B-plus. I mean, I think, you know, obviously, Bishaw Toon's been awesome. You know, he's forced a ton of missed tackles. I, don't, I was trying to look up the numbers, but, you know, a lot of missed tackles obviously means, you know, your, your O-line and, uh, is not necessarily doing the job that you know you want them to be. Ideally, you'd like to have more you know breakaway breakaway carries. But regardless, you know he's he's done, he's brought a lot of explosiveness to that room. I think Thomas is a guy that kind of struggled out of the gate, but he did have a really good game against Wake Forest. So put those two together, I, I'm overall I'm pretty pleased with that. It's obviously with running backs, it's hard to judge because you know so much of their success is dependent on other people, not just the line, but also the the passing game too. But if you just try to isolate them individually, I think they've done very well. Yeah, I'm not too far behind you, Shelton. I'm, I've got him a B for uh, for this group. Um, I think overall, I think if Thomas had been putting his output similar to what we've seen from Tudin, um, you know, in games other than probably the last two weeks, um, I'd probably have them right at a B plus or a B. But um, with him having a little bit of trouble getting going, um, that's that kind of brought it down to a just a uh, just a B for me. But you know, I think that the, you know, looking at Tootin, he's really a dynamic player coming out of the backfield. We've seen what he can do, catching the ball, making guys miss, breaking tackles. Um, I like the way he finishes his runs. So seeing that out of that room, 
Uh, if we can just get marginally better offensive line play, um, you know, I think that room could really break out. But, you know, they're starting to, to kind of turn a corner a little bit, especially now with, with drones in the game as well, um, giving them a little bit more space to operate. Yeah, and, and y'all both mentioned Malachi Thomas. Malachi over his last couple of games averaging just under six yards a carry. That is really nice as a complimentary back to what we know Tootin can do. All right, let's flip over to the skill positions and let's talk about the wide receiver and the tight ends. Brian, you leave me with this one. Where you feel? Uh, where do you feel this room is at? Uh, I got them at an A minus. Probably the best overall grade that I'm going to give on the whole team. Um, I think the wide receiver output, especially considering that Ollie Jennings has went down, um, that room has really performed well overall. And, you know, looking at the tight ends, I think it's kind of up and down. You know, we also had an injury there. Um, so there's been some – and other guys have been nicked up as we went along. So it's, it's been a lot of – a couple big injuries in those those rooms, but they've still taken it in stride and really have kind of elevated um, the offensive play as kind of we've gone along through the season. So um, excited about that room and, and excited to see what they can do down the stretch. What about you, Sheldon? What about the wideout room and any any scores, any PFF grades that jumped out to you? No, I mean honestly, for this one, I you know I think we don't even need to look at the grades really. You can kind of just see the the added <laughs> explosiveness. I mean, I think Jalen Lane presents a yak yards after catch slash speed element that Tech has been lacking for for quite a few seasons, even you know during some of the Fuente years where they had some good wide receivers. And you know, obviously, Ali Jennings beyond hurts a lot because. You know, he's going to be a big time player. I think Felton's been, you know, a little bit up and down. Would have liked to see more production from him. But, you know, it's you're not going to get everybody the ball with, you know, a more of a, a more of a run heavy offense. So I think they've done a pretty good job. And I think the blocking for the most part has been pretty good, too. Like, that's something that, you know, I know that Coach Mines is big on the details. You look at the pick game, you know, they run the ball outside constantly. And yep. those, play, those plays don't work unless you get good perimeter blocking. So I think the biggest encouraging thing for me is the fact that our perimeter blocking is is much more up to par than it has been in recent seasons. Yep. And I'm with Brian on this one and both of y'all. This room, it, like you said, we really probably didn't even need to talk about it, but it's still fun to because I've got this one rated at an A, and you kind of look up and down. Um, and you talk about guys being up and down, Shelton, but the up and down is for a good reason because there are so many guys to distribute the ball to. You know, uh, Daquan uh, Felton – just the other day had like three catches for what 19 20 yards a couple of them were stick movers very important but Stephen Gosnell lit it up along with Jay Lane last week they all have their niche roles yes you have Felton who can take it off the top Lane who can make people miss in space Gosnell who's great at finding those zones and then the two young tight ends with Gosnell and Wright you know those guys you know have a combined 25 catches you know 327 yards they're averaging over 10 a catch they're average over 10, actually over 12 a catch. And when you have all that on the field, are there going to be games where they get one catch? Yes, but that catch may be a huge play. I go back to last week's game and that wheel route that was caught by uh, Daquan right down on the sideline. How big a play that was, it moved us right to the other side of the field. And like I said, with Felton catching a few first downs. So everybody's playing a role there. and And that's what we did not have last year. We had one guy last year who was effectively able to do that, and now we have multiple at different levels. All right, let's go to the offensive line. Brian, hold your tongue. You're going last on this one. <laughs> but Sheldon, you get, 
Sorry, man. Sorry, you're gonna you're gonna blow us up with some stuff. Shelton, what is your grade on the offensive line and your justification behind it? Look, I'll go. I gotta go D plus. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just been it's been rough. I mean, you know, there's there's ways with the advanced stats we have now to isolate offensive line play from running back play. So obviously, when you look at yards per rush, that's colored by you know quarterback scrambles, quarterback runs, design runs, and obviously running backs breaking off big plays. Yeah. But when you look at things like you know line yards per carry, you know for most of the season, Tech was absolutely one of the worst in the country, one of the worst in Power Five certainly. Now it has gotten better over the past couple of weeks. I think they're last time I checked, they were somewhere around like 107 out of 133, something like that. It, it was like below 125 for for some time. So. It's just been rough, man. And like I, you know, I watch the games on tape. You know, you can see it on film. It's just there. It, some it's part of it, I think, it's physicality, but also part of it's just you know miss assignments. And I don't know what the corrections are. Obviously, they've got to you know tweak the roster once the offseason comes around. But you know, we we could get into all the reasons why the personnel is the way it is. But I just I don't think the issues are correctable. And I got to go D plus. I'm sorry, it's just been that bad. All right. I am a slight, just one plus below you. I'm at a D for that line. Um, it could be lower. It could be almost a failure. But I will say this, of that line, the one thing that has kind of been a slight bright spot is seeing uh, three guys who have an FR next to their name have some of the higher scores. You know, you shared with us last week, Xavier Chaplin scored unbelievable in all aspects against Wake Forest. Braylon Moore scored very well. Caden Moore, which – let, let we should do an episode just Brian discussing the center position and the difficulty <laughs> and why a great bad grade to have there and then seeing Brody Meadows come on those guys have been bright spots they're they're freshmen so when you see missed assignments and stuff like that obviously y'all know where we feel about the other guys and how we've discussed it um but it has been below average and to be three and four and the running game slowly getting going not having that good of an offensive line um is something um but it's also what you just said shelton things have to be things have to be done in the all season and it'll be interesting to uh see that now brian my turn your turn d minus <laughs> how low of a d minus on a scale of uh zero when to I, so when i when i was first my instinct was to give it an f and then i was like no <laughs> and it's because of what you just said curtis it's because we've got guys with uh freshmen next to their name that are showing some potential, that are showing some bright spots, that are starting to put things together a little bit on the offensive line that shows that Crook is, get, is getting something out of them. We're making some progress on that front. Um, but I'm also with Shelton. I don't think that what's there is good. I think we're, we're, we're kind of getting as much juice out of them at this point as I think we're going to get out of them the rest of the season. I don't know if you're going to see necessarily – the, the 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 steps that we've seen from those freshmen going forward is going to be more like those little you know tick up tick up here tick up there and but you're still looking at a right side that's pretty atrocious and that's not really going anywhere it seems so all right last question if there is a change on the offensive line do we see it Thursday I think if you're going to see a if they're going to make a switch that's going to be a full time switch, that's when you would see it um, in terms of the depth chart. So I guess we'll find out what Tuesday when the depth chart comes out if any any adjustments have been made there. But you know, it, it, barring that, I don't see a, 
us making a significant uh, leap going forward, I think is, you know, he, it might get into Shelton's range where I'd give it a D plus, but I don't think we're really going up a letter grade here. <laughs> Brian says no letter grade up. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, I'm sure we'll do something similar to this in a few weeks here and see how it feels. All right, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. And let's start with the defensive line. So, Siegel, I'll get you to floor on this one. How you feel about the defensive line so far? Uh, I'm giving a B minus. Um, I think we've seen some really mm-hmm. bright spots, especially from Antoine Powell Ryland. Um, you know, he's getting up there in sacks in the nation. Um, we've seen him be able to impact the plays even when he's not getting to the quarterback, just with that speed and people having to identify him pre-snap. I think the uh, the interior guys have been kind of up and down, but I, I like seeing Fidarius Payne really come into his own and really become an impact player on that defensive line. Um, that's somebody we were hoping at the start of the season we would just get something out of in that rotation. And he's really kind of been, in my opinion, one of the best players on the defensive line, um, especially now that he's getting enough reps to kind of show that. So um, th- those are kind of the bright spots there. You know, I think there were some problems uh, along there. They you know, were, they weren't, giving enough to kind of help some of the other deficiencies we have in that running game. So um, that's probably where I'm knocking them down a little bit, but I think overall they've, they've played pretty well so far this year. Sheldon, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to give a solid C plus again, I'm grading on a curve. You got a bunch of C you got a bunch of seniors on that D line. And if they were freshmen, I might be more charitable, but I just think, you know, to be honest, they just, they don't have the dudes. I mean, the interior the guys have been kind of pushed around a little bit. I just, you know, when you look at guys like Kendrick and Pollard, yeah, they've done okay, but they just don't live in the backfield. Like they're not, you know, eating up space and, and getting to the QB um, and, and, you know, stuffing those run lanes. Obviously, defensive ends have been pretty good. I think Felder's Feldar, paint has been awesome. APR has been really good. Both those guys have generated lots of pass uh, QB pressures. So, you know, it kind of a – a kind of a hit or miss type of situation where you got a lot of production from your D's, but not so much from the DTs. I think overall it's been pretty average and we know that the rushing grades aren't very good, but again, part of that gets back to the linebackers, which, you know, obviously we'll discuss very shortly. We will discuss them very shortly. I'm actually going higher than both of y'all. Shelton, you're a full letter grade below me. I think I'm going B plus um, it, it, because the middle it's done what I expected. The, the interior has done what I expected. They have not really, significantly fallen off the cliff they played good at times Payne has been the bright spot there um but really the edge guys have really stepped it up like y'all mentioned with APR um and you know you're seeing you know uh, McCray play solid you're seeing those guys play solid and contribute um and they are younger guys again I think maybe my curve was I know what I'm going to get out of this group so as long as they get what I expect in these outside guys do better i'm gonna be a little bit more lenient and that's what i won um on this one and hey somebody's with me b plus on that all right shelton since you brought it up i'll let you lead right into it where's your grade on the linebacker room yeah i'm going d minus i mean i just don't know what very little uh redeeming qualities with this group look they played they played better against wake forest that's no doubt about that but for the most part i mean it's just been horrible like so i mean we are Again, one of the you know bottom 10 percentile and pretty much all the rushing stats. And when you look at the number of explosive plays, it's pretty clear that the linebackers are the problem uh, because, you know, in terms of success rate, 
I think tech is more kind of middle of the pack. So like they're, they're getting, you know, some stops. It's just that when, when those running backs get to the second level, when they do have a successful play, it tends to be really successful. It tends to be a big play. So that's an indication that your second level guys aren't getting the job done. And, you know, between Alan Tisdale who struggled and, you know, Kelly Lawson who's had his moments, I just, I, I just have a hard time looking at this group and seeing what, you know, what they've done well. Um, I'm just, to me, I'm just average because I think where a lot of those bad grades you see come at, it's when people who are not seeing the field anymore were there. And we saw that numerous times in numerous games. I'm not saying Lawson and the rest of them are like blowing it out the water, but to me, I kind of look at this and say, here's the really bad part. If I add all this, I'm probably a D plus. C minus low. But then what I saw happen though was the decision was made right. There are certain guys we have not seen on the field at the linebacker spot in weeks. At least not as I mean, much. Not as hardly any. Um, and when I see that, it's like if I take a look at the snapshot of who's now playing significant reps, it's a C. If you so Shelton, if you want me to do the whole thing, give me a C minus. Um, what's the grading scale? It would be a 70 on the number if you ask me to look at it as a whole. But for the guys who are significantly getting the reps now, I'll give them more of that mid, you know, mid C grade. Brian? Yeah, I'm I'm a C minus. Um just bad run fits for for weeks and weeks. Um, you know, really the Wake Forest game is the only game I think you can point to and say they had they did a really good job both consistently and with stopping the explosive plays because we still had some explosive play against Pitt's, uh, Pitt, even though we more or less held them in check. Um, it's just, it's it's been inconsistent in the run game. I mean, if, if you told me just to grade how they've held up against the pass, I mean, pretty well overall. I mean, they we haven't been thrown on much, mainly because they can run the ball against us fairly well. But... Um, if, if we continue to see the type of play we've seen kind of, I'd say even the last three weeks um, going forward, I mean, this grade could maybe get up to a C plus. Um, I don't see it again, similar to what I said with the offensive line. I don't know if this necessarily gets a full letter grade jump. Um, but now if we see what we saw against Wake the rest of the season, then yeah, I can see a full letter grade jump. But I think I think the last three weeks on a whole is more indicative of what they are capable of. I think the first few weeks was probably bottom of the barrel, and I think it was some of that adjustment of, all right, well, this guy has some ability here, but he's not doing the right thing consistently. So we yeah. got to get him out of the game. You've got to pull the guys out. They have ability. Um, and that's kind of the way it is. Again, that's I think that's how we look at things. Um, it would be really interesting to see at the end of the season. And this, I think this would go for every group, would be pull it out and look at snap counts, starting at ODU in a chart like by the end of the season where guys are. Who started getting more reps, who lost their reps, and then seeing how that overall play is, especially in the linebacker room. All right, we're going to look at the safety room next. Um, and I'm, I'm going C minus and this was my 70. It almost was a D plus, um, because the safety room was struggling for a while there. Um, and that's what happens when you have a guy who's converted, um, from the offense 
in the offseason and you have a true freshman playing. Nasir Peoples, although Nasir is a good player, Nasir was the, was the ship that steadied everything back there. Jalen Stroman's a great player. I have no doubts about that. But when the next two guys were young, that inexperienced, or you're rotating Canteen or Delane in, it really hurt that room a lot. And that's why, thankfully, Peoples got over that injury and he's back. Um, because if he hadn't been back the last few weeks, this would have been a D-plus grade for me. But with him back and kind of steadying the ship back there, both in pass and run coverage, give me a C-minus. Brian? We said at the start of the year that depth was a big concern at the safety position. and We did. That played out like a motherfucker for about the first month. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, that, that that's what happened. I mean, we, we ended up having a converted wide receiver and a true freshman as our primary safeties for large chunks of time in about three or four games. Yeah. That's not what you want. Um, and, and that, and I'm not taking anything away from Jalen or, or most, but, Sometimes you're just not quite ready for for that type of responsibility that early in your career and that early in your transition to a new position. Um, I think they are players that at this point are fine for series at a time here or there, um, maybe even a quarter at a time here or there, but they're not ready to hold up for four quarters like that. And when you have that coupled with inconsistent linebacker play, coupled with an interior defensive line that kind of can get moved around a little bit, that's a recipe for big plays. And that, that's what we saw. And, you know, you know, you can, we can kind of stack it level by level here, but the safety, I mean, that there's a reason it's called a safety, right? So that's <laughs> true. At some point they've got to make the play that stops the touchdown. But you Sheldon? Yeah, I'll go see. I mean, kind of what you were talking about with the linebackers, Curtis, this isn't a situation where obviously the personnel on the field is not what the coaches wanted coming into the season. You got guys like most fields playing meaningful snaps. Jalen Jones and Cale Woodson are two are the two worst graded safeties in the ACC. It's just been a constant revolving door. So it's kind of hard to judge. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, people losing people's was big. Stroman's been good. I think the guys that when you look at the guys that they, they expected to start this season, the guys that they wanted in there, I think they've done pretty well. It's just been a constant revolving door. So again, you know, I, I give I give them a C grade, but it's with the context that they just have not had any sort of continuity there. Yep, and hopefully with people's finally coming back, like I said, steady the ship to what Brian <laughs> Touche. Yes. All of the above. Touché, all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> Love that one. All right, let's flip it one more room as we wrap up this segment, and let's talk about the cornerback room, Brian. Um, I'll let you lead with this one. I'm going to go a a very solid B plus. So this is an 89 if we're, if we're on the 10-point scale. Okay. This is an 89. Um, I like what I've seen from the cornerbacks. Um, Delane has been as advertised. Uh, strong, probably coming back and having his best year since his freshman campaign. Um, I've liked what I've seen from Canteen, especially you know him being able to uh, get some turnovers in there. That's been big for this defense. So um, those guys have held up, and I've liked what I've seen from the true freshmen that have gotten some run at that position. Um, you know, so it, it's it's really been a good overall performance. The only knock I'm going to give is that they haven't been tested a ton 
this year. So I don't know how good they truly are. So that's kind of why I'm, I'm holding back from putting an A grade on them yet. But overall, I, li- I, I like what I've seen. So I'm going to give them a B plus. Sean, what about you? Yeah, I'll go B. I think Canteen's been a good depth ad. He's, he's graded out really well in terms of run defense. Strong has been fantastic in coverage all season long. I, I think overall, like you said, they haven't been tested much, so I think that's kind of where some stats can be misleading in terms of the, the pass yards per game allowed. Yards per attempt, it's still good. Not as good, but still pretty good. So I think given, you know, what they've gone through this season with in terms of just, you know, the safety rotations and some guys playing out of position, I'm sure it's affected them to some degree because obviously when you have younger players in there, you don't – it's it's harder to, you know, trust that they're all playing their assignments. So that can, that can hamper your effectiveness sometimes. But I think all all things considered, they've done very well. So I'll give them a B. Yep. Um, This is my highest graded group on the defense, an A minus. It's the 90 to 91. Um, Just because it's kind of what Brian, what you said there about the young guys have looked solid. They've been, and it's primarily because they played them at the right amount, right? The right amount of snaps, the right times, the right sort of coverages. They haven't been thrown into anything big. And to me, the other four guys are as advertised. You mentioned Canteen. When Canteen was brought in, it was Lickle. He's coming here to play nickel. He can help us with the other spots in the rotation, but he's coming here to play nickel. And, Shell, when you talk about his run defense grade, it makes sense. And he's definitely making um, uh, – <laughs> he's definitely making um, – he's definitely making himself probably some money, um, you know, at the next level with how he's playing that position and then showing the flexibility to play on the outside. So um, I'm going to throw this up real quick just because, Andretti, you're back. We missed you last week. Tally is currently with his daughter, y'all, um, doing a little collegiate tour, so he could not make it tonight, sort of a, something that came up last minute. But, again, we get it. Yeah. So I, l- l- before we move on, Curtis, let me let me make another note here. Uh, imagine how good some of these grades could be if you didn't have Cantane and Delane playing, rotating at safety for, sure. for part of these uh, – these large stretches of time, those two to three mm-hmm. games that we were talking about earlier. So, True. Um, you know, those grades could potentially be higher for those, for those players that they weren't having to take on those type of roles, um, you know, out of necessity because of injuries and targeting and everything else. Yeah, it's very true. It's, it's a lot took it out. Again, that back half has played well, um, even with everything that this has had to do. It's also a testament, give a testament and a shout out to coach Jones and coach Prelu for having to wrap those up. There'd be some people who disagree with you there, Jim. Um, <laughs> that's why I send a couple buddies, watch the game, listen to us. Um, hey, man. But, hey, man. We, we're, we're still here. You know, I'm still watching. I, I got, I got the game on right above right me. So I, I, I need Tua and Waddle to get some action going here because I need some points in my fantasy leagues. Well, I'm losing one league. and uh, um, Yeah, we're not going to do it. Let me ask this, and if y'all are listening out there, we got we got a bunch of people watching tonight. All right, what's the one group between now and the week after Thanksgiving y'all are saying that group's going to definitely improve and one you want to improve? Well, never mind. I think the one we all want to improve is the offensive line can improve. Um, <laughs> is, is, can I put that motion on the table? Everybody wants the offensive line to do Everyone wants to see the offensive line get better, yeah. Motion pass. But what's the group you think will improve, Shelton, between now and the end of the season, based in your eyes? In my eyes, I would say, I would say probably linebackers. I mean, I thought they were good against Wake Forest. I just, I, I trust Prize instincts. I trust Mars instincts, given the the specialty they have with those groups. 
And I would say, I do think that it's more explainable given the youth in that room, why they've struggled so much. I think if given the way the defensive line has played okay in the run game, the corners have been good. The safety is not their healthy. We think will be good. I think the linebacker, the linebacker crew is that one missing component. So if they, if they get their act together, I think the defense can really take a big step forward. Marlon, what about you? Yeah. I mean, if we're looking at uh, the group, I'd like to see improve the most. Um, I'm with Sheldon. It's got to be the linebacker group uh, because if the linebacker group can improve and we stay healthy in the secondary and at the, at the safety position, I feel like the running game well, the run defense can be serviceable, good enough, not allow those big, huge explosive plays because outside of the explosive plays, we've held up fairly well against the run. It's really just been those really big gashers that have, you know, really uh, changed the tide in a lot of games in the running game and kind of really put put those lopsided numbers in the stat sheets there. Um, if we can approve that linebacker position, you know, one full grade, get it up to like, you know, I had a C minus, let's, let's get that thing up to a, a B minus. I think we could be onto something there. So if, if they found a, a consistent rotation and these guys continue to take steps forward in their play, I think that would be big. All right. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go different than both y'all completely. And I think it's the quarterback because I think if we continue to see the maturation of Kyron drones between these last five games and the end of the season, it, it, it could be something special because of the steps he's taken between the end of that Purdue game and what he did against Wake Forest, how quick it was, how quick it was, how quick he has moved, especially the 350 last week. Um, that's who I think could take a step because you're seeing it quicker. And people can say, well, they're getting more tape on him. They had a lot of tape on him going into those last three games. Like like you had the Marshall tape and you had the Rutgers tape. Usually it's just a couple ones. I like that one, though. I like that one. Yeah. The tight end room. Good good call out there, Derek. Um, so definitely feed those into us. Uh, we want to see what you guys think about that. Um, and we are now going to move on to – uh, know the enemy, but before we do that, we are going to take a quick pause from our digital partners and Main Street Pharmacy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can probably save you a lot of money, and I can take a lot better care of you. That's pretty much it. My name is Jeremy Counts, and I'm a pharmacist. I own and operate Main Street Pharmacy here in downtown Blacksburg. My brother's a pharmacist, I'm a pharmacist, my uncle's a pharmacist, my dad's a pharmacist. I remember he would give me M&Ms to count in little pill counters. This is something I've always done, and I'm just lucky that what I know so well is something that I can do and feel good about it and give back to people. 
Pharmacies are your frontline defense. Pharmacy's job is to make sure you're getting optimal care for the lowest price possible. Also, we take the pressure off of emergency rooms. I'll tell people immediately when they need to go to the doctor or I'll tell them if they just need a cream over the counter. If there's something that isn't commercially available, if it's something that's not available in a certain strength or a certain form or anything like that, we'll make it. Tailor-made medications. Some of those options save people a lot of money. What motivates me? I get to take care of people and live in Blacksburg. That's all I need. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All righty. So let's hit it up here and let's talk about know the enemy and let's talk about the Syracuse Orangemen. Um, Shelton, you were mentioning some stuff. And since before we get into specific sides, Shelton had some stuff just on Syracuse in general um, that he wanted to hit up before we get into the deep dive. So go ahead, Shelton. Yeah, it's been a pretty weird year for them because they started out really hot in the non-conference play, you know, being up on some lower competition, but the results look pretty good. Since they've started conference play, though, they have just absolutely fallen off a cliff. I mean, it's kind of hard to really wrap your head around. I, I saw a stat on Twitter from Bill Connolly. So he does uh, the biggest – so he looks at the biggest overachievers and the biggest underachievers based on, you know, performance relative to expected points. And he weights recent games more. So it kind of looks at what you're doing recently. And he had Syracuse as the second biggest underachiever in the country. So they they have just, you know, kind of fallen apart these past, you know, three, four games. And it's been kind of apropos of, of Babers' career there. He's just been really up and down as a coach. He had that one great season in 2018 with 10 wins. And then two years later, he goes one and 10. And now they've been kind of, you know, bouncing around 500. So I know that, you know, Syracuse is a really hard place to win. But I, I, I think this might be a pretty critical stretch for them coming up because, if you, if you if you take this season with, you know, Garrett Schrader as your quarterback, you know, there might be some some fans calling for heads. So I this this is a big stretch coming up for Syracuse. So I think they're going to come to this game pretty motivated. You good, Curtis? Yeah, I'm good. Just hearing some noises out here, making sure everything's OK. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know what? I was listening to a the Locked On Sports Syracuse. They have one of those. And that guy was mentioning something similar, Sheldon, similar to what you talked about, about how he's only had one good season. Is this it? Is this five-game stretch starting with the Hokies on Thursday night? If, if he doesn't effectively have a good turnaround between now um, and the end of the this season, um, could they let him go? Because there's only one season after this one left, I believe. Um, so it's very interesting to see how it goes. Um, but now let's do flip because like you said, the more recent results, let's flip to the offense and talk about the most more recent results because overall this team is averaging 28 points a game. That's a solid number <laughs> in the last three games. The one probably why you were so focused on that Connolly um, article, they're averaging eight points in their last three games, which are three losses to Clemson, to Carolina and to Florida state. Um, you know, they're a middle-of-the-road team when it comes to yards. 
And when you're middle of the road when it comes to yards and you look at who they played, and I'm not trying to disparage. We played Purdue as well and lost to them. They played Colgate, Western Michigan, Purdue, and Army. It's not a murderer's road to start 0-4. Um, so now the question is, let's take a look at this offense. And, Brian, it's a guy that we definitely as Hokie fans are familiar with, and that's Jason Beck. He was the QB coach down at Virginia from 2016 to 2021. And what are we looking at with his offense, and uh, what can they do? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the smash mouth spread. Um Heavy zone read, ton of quarterback runs. Um, they have most of their success in the passing game off of play action, off sprint outs, off things where they're uh, getting the quarterback out of the pocket or using some run action to kind of confuse the linebackers and and open up some pass lanes for the quarterback. Um, but you're going to see a, a heavy dose of run, particularly with the quarterback. Um, expect you know upwards of 20 carries uh, or more. Uh, for for their quarterback in this offense, um, we've seen it a lot with UVA. Uh, we're we're going to see it again now uh, with with Syracuse. Curtis, we don't have you because I hit the mute button and forgot to there unmute. You know. Welcome to me on Zoom meetings. Sometimes, um, let's talk about Garrett Shader, six four two thirty. We know all too much about him. Back in twenty twenty one, he led the comeback against the Hokies. That essentially, in my opinion, that was a game that sealed Justin Fuente's fate. Um, yes. Yes. Thank you. I was there too. I was there too. It sucked. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> but, you know, so far this season, um, you know, 62% passing, you know, eight touchdowns, five picks, but he has ran a ton. He is there. Er, get it up here. Where did it go? You ever have a number up and then it just goes away? There we go. He has over 350 yards, averaging just over four and a half. Um, just a little background on him. He was a pretty highly rated guy. Went down to Mississippi State to begin with in 2019. Was a top 250 player, top 10 dual threat quarterback, high four or excuse me, low four star to 91. Had offers from a lot of different places all over the country. And Brian, this is the multi. This is what second. You've watched a lot of film on Garrett Strader in the last few years. Inadvertently, yeah. It just seems like any anytime I like half the time if I'm watching tape on other teams, it's like, all right, the last game was Syracuse. All right, the last game was what the fuck? All right, so like, I get to see Garrett Schrader again. Um I'd say overall he's an average thrower of the football. He's 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 not gonna wow you, but he's also doesn't really have a ton of weaknesses either. Um not not the most accurate thrower, but he can get the ball downfield and, and hurt you that way. Um, throws best in the short and intermediate game when you roll the pocket, get him moving, uh, get him where he can kind of throw uh, in, in those open lanes to one side, that kind of one or two read type look. Um, he's patient when he runs the football. I think that's the big thing about him, why he's able to sometimes break those big plays is because he is patient when he breaks the pocket, even though it's a design runner, even though he knows he's going to scramble right away, he still lets the blocks kind of happen so he can kind of get the most out of those, uh, those rushes. Um, and he has really good acceleration. So he's got that ability to kind of bust a big play when he does get to that second and third level of the defense. All right. Sheldon, you had a couple of additional points on him. And the one thing I asked you to look up was how he performs in their wins and how he performed in their losses so far this year. Yeah, it's pretty stark contrast. So PFF rate about 52 in their losses, and it's around 80 
And there went. So a few interesting notes on Schrader. Uh, overall, pretty much middle of the road quarterback, like Brian was saying. Not a ton of stats that, you know, stand out too much. Syracuse tends to throw pretty deep. So our average depth of target ranks 26 among power five quarterbacks. On the flip side, though, he does make a lot of turnover plays. So that's kind of, you know, the side effect there. He has been sacked a lot and his uh, passer rating is 48. So kind of right next to Kyron Jones. Lots of deep throws in this offense. Not particularly efficient throwing behind the line of the scrimmage, although they don't do it a ton. The biggest thing I got out of this, and this is what Brian alluded to, play action. Syracuse is a completely different team when they run play action. So when running play action, they complete about 80% of the passes. Uh, when they're not running play action, they complete about 55%. So that plus 25 point differential is the second biggest in the power five. So that's one thing they got to be uh, watching out for is the, uh, the, the PA throws. I would say, you know, overall, he does get pressured a lot. And according to some of the PFF numbers, he has a he shares a high degree of responsibility for those pressures. So some of it's on the offensive line, some of it's on him, kind of a little bit of both. But you know, he 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 scrambles a lot, as I'll I'll cite a stat in, in the coming second. So definitely have to be aware of the run threat with Schrader. Yeah, absolutely. That is one thing you do have to watch out for him. We've seen it already one time in the last few years. I don't want to flip next to probably, in my opinion, just looking stat-wise, definitely their best run of the ball. And that's LaQuint Allen, 195 pounds, six foot from Millville, New Jersey, and Millville High School. And, you know, solid prospect coming out. 85, had your pit offer, Rutgers offers, had a UVA offer, um, was a top 25 player in the state of New Jersey, so a solid uh, solid state, solid ranking there. And so far this year, and he is a red shirt, excuse me, a true sophomore because he did play last year. Um, just under five a game with seven touchdowns running the ball. Brian, what else did the tape say? Yeah, I mean, looking at, at him run the ball, he's he's pretty solid between the tackles, but he's really more dangerous when he can get on the edge, um, use his speed to kind of get some some extra yards there. Um, he also really likes to work those cutback lanes on those uh, read options. Um, you'll you'll see him bend it back, and that's when he can can uh, break off some of those bigger runs as well. Um, they will get him involved in the passing game, you know, mostly on swings and checkdowns. They're not running a ton of behind the line of scrimmage type stuff, but um, he's 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 proficient in that as well. Uh, catches good with his hands and can make people miss in space. Shelton, what additional info you have on him for tonight? Right around five yards per carry. His explosive plays are pretty solid. He's got seven design carries of 15 or more yards. Like Brian was saying, very heavily targeted in the passing game. One of the most heavily targeted running backs in all power five with uh, 25 passing targets. Yep, 25 passing targets, 23 receptions and 157 yards. So, you know, it's good to see, Brian, as you broke down that tape there. Um that it's not necessarily route trees, it's checkdowns. But that also, it makes our linebacker room and our safeties have to pay attention to him on those outsides when he goes out for routes, even though they're not going to be complex as part of the offense, you still have to respect him because a 92% you know, catch percentage on 25 targets, that's pretty damn good for a running back. Yeah, opinion. and occasionally those are, you know, ones where it looks like he's staying in the block and then he's kind of leaking out and 
Yeah, that's one where you look like you're about to get home, you look like you're about to get a stop, and all of a sudden he dumps it down to a running back and you get give up an eight yard gain on, you know, third and six. So um that's the ones you got to be careful of. All righty. Let's flip it who the let's flip and talk to who the uh, ball may be thrown to this week. And that's gonna be Umari Hatch. Now we're mentioning Hatch, but I want to mention another name real quick, and that is Arondo Gatson. Um Rondo Gatson was going to be probably their big playmaker this year. He's like a 6'5", 220-pound, um, you know, a big player. They lost him very early in the season. So know that they don't probably have their best weapon out there, and that's why we're looking at Hatch. Of course, there's always got to be a Virginia kid on these teams, right? Mari Hatch, Freedom High School in Woodbridge. He was a top 20 player in the state of Virginia. Back in the class of 2021, he was the 20th ranked player. And, um, you know, so far, having a good season, 346 yards. Um, I don't have the reception numbers in front of me. He is their leading guy. And, uh, Brian, what are you seeing on the tape? What does he do for them? Yeah, uh, you know, what he's doing most, uh, he usually lines up to the right-hand side of the uh, the, the formation. Um, but he's their biggest deep threat that they use on the, on the team. Um, he's – Targeted a lot down the field. Um, he's the guy that they want to get involved when Schrader is throwing the ball deep down the field for, for this offense. Uh, targeted mostly on goes, fades. Um, they'll use him up the seam occasionally, but they will also use use him on some crossers and digs as well to get that kind of intermediate routes in there as well. Um, so, I mean, he's really their guy that's going to get that uh, th- those big yards down the field. So he's the one that we got to make sure is not a game breaker on Thursday. All right, Sean, you said you did have one little note on Hatcher, Mari Hatcher, not Umari Hatch. My apologies there. Yeah, only note is that he is uh, targeted on some a whole lot of deep balls. So 13th in the Power 5 and adjusted, or excuse me, average depth of target about uh, 17 yards per catch. So, you know, he's 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 uh, going to be in a lot of deep balls. Also, you mentioned he's from Virginia. It seems to me like there's been a lot of under-the-radar guys from – this state they've gone on to play for other, you know, low level power programs, especially in the Northeast. I know Rutgers had a uh, safety or running back from Virginia that we played them a few weeks ago. I can't remember the name, but it's, a, it's a state that I think has is good at producing underrated talent, but the high rated talent leaves a little bit to be desired, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. We talked about a few players from Pitt. February. I think we had uh, two or three from wake last week. Like um, those, like five for weight. It was not like two or three. It was literally yeah. like, but but they did get Devin Claiborne, who's a pretty highly rated guy. He is on that team, and he obviously ran the kickback. So, yeah. but again, it's that is another story. That's February. We'll write it down. We'll circle the episode. We'll get. We'll talk about kind of the wrap of recruiting, and then do some breakdowns on that. But there's still talent here, and yeah, that's where. Again, I think that you know I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to keep it in because we got one more piece on the offensive line is offering somebody like a hatch who goes to freedom. Freedom is a good fucking football school. A well, good uh, football school. Yeah, and, and let's talk about you know what what uh, what is Pry been having to rebuild in the last year and a half or so that wasn't that great under the previous regime and. We're at a time right now where guys that were recruited in that time frame when things kind of fell off the map are becoming solid, 
either rotational pieces or starters at these other universities. So that's why you see Pitt with like two or three starters and Wake with five starters that are key players on their team that were kind of that mid to high three, occasionally a low four uh, player that is now playing for another ACC school. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're still kind of in the midst of experiencing that. I think we're probably got, you know, one or two more years where, where that's going to be a topic of conversation uh, throughout ACC play. I'm going to say this before we hit the offensive line. I think that's always going to be a conversation because as you start filling out your rooms, you're trying to find fits and there's guys that may not get an offer. They may not recruit as hard because of this is not quite what we need for this position. He's a good player, but if he comes here, it's going to be a tough hill to climb. Um, but now let's talk about the offensive line. Shelton, while you were mentioning how bad their offensive line was, I had to look it up, and I found it. They are 100th in the country at sacks allowed, 19 over the first seven games. Now, where they do differ between the other guys down there, they are under 100 sack yards um, per game. So real quick, before Brian breaks down the tape, Shelton, did you get a chance to pull up their grades on the offensive line? I did, yes. And it's interesting. There seems to be a discrepancy in terms of the sack totals you mentioned and their overall pass blocking PFF grades. So they're actually graded pretty well in pass blocking 17th as a team. They just don't really have a ton of, you know, individual standouts on that offensive line. Uh, Nobody graded in the top 40 in the ACC in terms of offensive linemen. Their left tackle, Enrique Cruz, is the worst graded run blocker in the ACC. And their rushing yardage numbers are okay overall, but that's mainly because of Schrader's running ability. So Schrader is averaging about 6.3 yards per rushing attempt. You take out the sacks, and he also leads ACC in scramble yards. So kind of apropos of what I was mentioning earlier, he scrambles a lot. He can get out of the pocket. So even if the offensive line doesn't give a ton of time to throw, he can make plays happen with his feet. So, Brian, you watched the tape, and I know you. Sheldon said the grade doesn't reflect it, but the stats numbers reflect it. What did the tapes reflect about their pass pro? Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, they give up some sacks that they probably shouldn't. Um, occasionally, Schrader hangs around back there too much or tries to escape the pocket too soon and kind of gets himself into trouble. So there's a little bit of that in there as well. Um, I mean, I'd call them probably – very average in pass pro and very average run blocking overall. Um, there, there's not really standouts, as Shelton said, really across the board. It's just a fairly solid pass pro and then a run game that when they can get going, especially with Schrader, looks probably a little bit better than, than it really is in terms of the actual blocking. All righty. Glad to hear some of the stuff is correlating between the numbers and the, the actual taking a look at the tape itself. Um, you said the left tackle is their worst run blocker. Who's their best graded? Just one of those things to be paying attention to Thursday night. Um, yeah, give me I'll, – I'll look it up in one quick sec. I'll have it for you. Yeah, because, again, while we're doing this, because we hear that, I'm sure, Brian, your first thought is, well, if he sucks that bad and he – they're probably not going to be running to the left much. So probably you're not going to be looking at outside zone. There's probably maybe an inside zone to the left side. It's probably going to be elsewhere on the line. Yeah, so their best graded run blocker is Christopher Blake. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. He is their left guard. So he's there played Yeah, he's played pretty much the whole, the whole season. All right. So there you go. Probably 
it'll be interesting to see where they run the ball Saturday night. All right, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball, and let's talk about this defense led by Rocky Long. If you don't know the name Rocky Long, then you probably really haven't been paying attention to college football the last 20 years. Rocky Long, um, successful in New Mexico back in the late 90s, early 2000s, became San Diego State's defensive coordinator in 2009 and coached there for right out of a decade where he had some significant success with San Diego State. Um, Brian, tell me some other stuff about Rocky Long and the defense he runs. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the godfathers of the uh, the 3-3 stack, so uh, along with his mentor, Joe Lee Dunn. Um, think about those Memphis teams back in the day. Um, this is this is kind of one of the originators uh, of, of the 3-3-5. Um, but I will say, looking at their, their, uh, their alignment, they will kind of switch up the front to confuse the offensive line. Um, you'll occasionally see them go with like a two, four, five look, um, sometimes in nickel, sometimes just because just to kind of confuse things there and, and, and show a different look. Um, like most three, three stacks, very stunt blitz heavy. Um, so you expect that from the D it's going to be a handful for the offensive line to handle some of that. So hopefully that they are ready and more prepared than we were at the beginning of the season for these type of fronts. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be another one of those where we've got to make sure that we keep Kyron drones off, off his back as well. Cause they, again, will bring some pressure there in the backfield. All right. Well, let's take a look at a couple of the key players there at Syracuse. And let's start with the Rover, Justin Barron, number eight defensive back, six foot four, 230 pounds from Suffolk Academy in Rock Hill, Connecticut came out, was an 84, 247 top 15 player in the state of Connecticut, a top hundred athlete when he came out. Um, I think he was looked at as a wide receiver and then moved effectively then inside linebacker, then eventually Rover. Um, and so far this year, you know, tackle wise leading the team, 55 tackles, five tackles for loss where I really found it interesting was four pass deflections along with two forced fumbles. So obviously that guy's around the ball a lot. Brian, what's the tape telling you about Justin Barron? Yeah. I mean, he's a big asset in their run support. Um, he's the guy that's primarily coming up from the safety position, making good plays, um, good fits and, 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 and making a solid tackle in the run game. Um, Overall, really good with fits, really good in pursuit. Um, I'd say he's much better in zone coverage than he is in man. He's kind of a little slow changing directions in man coverage, so that may be a spot where we can kind of take advantage. All righty. Sheldon, any sort of uh, deeper metrics on Justin Barron, the rover for the Orangemen? Yeah, overall pretty good in coverage. 62 passer rating when targeted, which is pretty solid. Uh, he does have a pretty shallow depth of targets, so only about four yards is his depth when he's targeted in pass coverage. Not surprising because he mostly plays in the box, and as a result of that, he also has eight run stops, which is a, a stat that PFF tracks, basically a loss for the offense, which is tied for third in ACC at his position group. Very nice to know. So like you said, I think when I hear that and I hear Brian talking about, man, they, he's not going to be going with guys like Wright or Gosnell up the seam or on wheel routes, he's going to be staying close to home, which obviously could stress potentially other parts of that defense. Now, another guy playing down in the box is Marlo Wax. Let's talk a little bit about Marlo. Marlo, six foot, 230 pounds, out of the state of Maryland. Kind of an underrated guy, an 83 three-star when he came out in class of 2020, went to Mount St. Joseph down in Baltimore. 
Um, came out initially as a running back. And other than Syracuse and Pitt, did not have a lot of D1, or excuse me, P5 looks, had some interest from Marshall and uh, and ECU. Sorry about that. But let's talk about this year, second on the lean, second on the team in tackles at 53, does have a pick and three forced fumbles. Uh, Brian, I say linebacker in a 3-3-5 stack. We've already talked about the rover, so he's definitely not playing that position, which also some people consider linebacker in a 3-3-5 stack. Where is he playing? Yeah, he's that Mike. Some also call it Jack. Just kind of depends on the system. Um, you know, Mike linebacker, a lot of responsibilities with that position. Um, heavy blitz usage from all angles. They'll they'll move him around. They'll shuffle him around. Um, so he's coming off the edge. He's coming up the middle. Um, you know, A gap, B gap, C gap, whatever uh, whatever gap the offense has, he's going to um, be used in those for on, on the blitz game. Um, he's great in pursuit, really good at shooting gaps and occasionally getting some uh, some tackles for loss. Um, but I'd say the only thing that I'd say we could maybe take advantage of is that he can get blocked when he's running downhill uh, against the run. Um, he's not very good at shedding, shedding blockers uh, and, and taking on those bigger uh, bigger players head on. Um, he, he much would rather run at an angle, pursue, shoot a gap something like that kind of to make that play so that might be where we can take some advantage all right shelton any sort of deeper stats with mr wax he is the highest graded offensive or excuse me highest graded linebacker for syracuse really good tackler talking about the stops that he's got 32 stops on the season which is second in the entire acc so very very big run stuffing guy all righty I, I, I find it interesting, Brian, what you talk about easily getting blocked when he gets downhill against the run. That'll be more interesting in how they line him up. Do they continue to move him like they have all season? Because especially if we get some of our run game going, if we can engage him, could take out one of their best tacklers. All right, last piece we're going to go. We're staying up front for the last guy as well. And I want to talk about Kevon Darden. And Kevon Darden, go to 247, you won't find a page on him. He was a walk-on. Um, who is now a defensive tackle there. He's only 5'11", about 275 pounds. Um, and so he's not that big of a guy when you hear defensive line because he does play defensive tackle. And so far this year, you know, he does have three sacks, 14 total tackles with a forced fumble. What I don't like hearing is every single guy at multiple levels has a forced fumble. Not a fan of that. Um, Brian – Looking at the tape, I know you, you, you kind of an interesting guy to, to watch from a tape perspective on all the things they do with him. Yeah, um, you know, as you said, former walk on, um, they play him at that shade nose. Sometimes he's head up, sometimes he's in a shade, but um, they'll also kind of line him up in different spots um, whenever they mix up those fronts. So he'll be in a three technique, he'll be in a four eye, he'll be in a four technique. It just kind of really depends on. Um, how they're attacking and how they're mixing up their fronts. But um, his size is interesting for a nose, even in a, in a three, three stack nose, because he is a very small, small player. He's a five eleven, two seventy five. 275. Um, that's about 30 pounds and at least a couple inches shorter and, 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 and lighter than you normally see a, uh, a nose at the starting end. Um, you know, 
that height probably not as big of an issue as the weight, but he actually does a pretty good job of eating blockers despite that size. Um, and he, he slants pretty quick. So he's, he's a guy that, you know, for, for what he lacks in size makes up with in quickness. So he gets some occasional tackles for loss opportunities in, in that regard. Sheldon, anything on him? Um, no, I just got one on um, Enwar Sparrow, who is their D, their uh, one of their highest graded D linemen. So he was go ahead. Yeah, so he was third in the ACC overall. Uh, big on the the run defense. Um, yeah, let me. I can look up the numbers, but basically he's their he's their top uh, uh, run stuffing guy. Sparrow is on that on that D front. All righty, so we got Sparrow as their big run stuffer defensive line. You got Darden as a small, undersized defensive tackle that they like to do a lot of things with. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how we handle this. And I'm going to flip it here, and we're going to go next to the Hokie Keys. Um, and I'm going to start with you, Brian. What do you think is your biggest key for this game? Uh, biggest key for this game to me is going to be the offense needs to stay ahead of the sticks. I think we, if we can get into those – second and manageable, third and manageable situations. Um, control the time of possession because that's what they're going to try to do to us. If we can control the time of possession and make them have to get away from what I, they feel they do best, which is running the football both with Schrader and um, with their running backs, if we can do that, I think that puts us in a better better spot long-term in that game. So if we can stay ahead of the sticks, that'll be a good a good way to control that time of possession and, and put them in difficult uh, situations when they're on offense. All right. Sean, what about you? Yeah, for me, it's all about contain, contain, contain. They got to contain the quarterback Schrader. And I think when you look at this offense overall, not to be disparaging of any of their players, but there just really aren't a ton of individual, individual standouts outside of Schrader. And really their whole offense is just predicated on him getting out in space and making plays. And so if you take away that scramble game, that run game, I mean, they just they don't have a ton left. And they've, they've struggled a lot on early downs this season, like, you know, one of the worst in the country on first and second down. So you, know, you put them in you put them in third and long. It's not it's not going to go particularly well for them, but you still got to make sure that you contain the quarterback. So uh, keeping keeping Schrader in check is definitely the biggest key for winning this ballgame. Yep, I'm, I'm with what you said there. And it's the it's, it's attack responsibly, because what you just said, even more Shelton goes back to what my thought was, they're not good on first and second down. If you can attack them, get them behind the sticks where they can't just run him up the middle, it's going to put them in dire situations. And, again, you're talking about the 100th, um, the 100th rated, you know, team sacks allowed. Regardless what the grades say, they give up those sacks. And then you've got APR, who's number six in the country. The Hokies, I believe, are in the top 40 in the country in sacks, um, in team sacks. So there's that one piece. Attack, but attack responsibly. Make sure you don't give him running lanes. So a lot of integrity there. I'm going to do one on offense here since Tally isn't. Take what the defense gives you. They're a pretty balanced defense. They do give up more passing than they do rushing, but take what they give you. Wake Forest decided to load the box, and Kyron Drones sliced and diced them all night. So take whatever they give you. If they want to try to play more coverage, run the ball. I think we can run against this team. So there that is. Now, before we get into our prediction and then a quick note about big screeners this week, this segment is presented by Big 
is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy app where you can make entries based on player projected outcomes. And Brian, did you hit the two you had last week? Can't I did not. What you had. I did, you did not. not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Prize Picks will match up any deposit up to a hundred dollars when you sign up with the code BC Picks. Uh, it's right there. Brian's about to pull it up. It's the reason he's not pulling it up because go ahead, pull it up. We don't have anything left yet. We're still, we have two games we know we're going to pick. We've got to find some other games. But when we started, we don't have a line yet. Pass, we don't until have we get, a line. Until we get the line, we can't Line anything, started but... coming out about six o'clock. Yep. We have dinner. Sheldon was working. Brian had things going on. Tally's away. You will get this in a tweet between now and sometime Thursday with our picks. So again, there's the QR code if you need it. Let's go ahead and make the hokey predictions. And I'm going to start off on behalf of Jonathan Talley. Got a text from him here. 27-17. He is staying on the hokey bandwagon and going 27-17 hokies. Sheldon, what do you feel on this game? Yeah, I'm going to go hokies by four. I think this is a game where my – how do I phrase this? My, my brain says VT – even though there's part of my gut that says it's going to be a letdown loss. But I will say, you know, this is probably the first game in a while where I've been, you know, genuinely pumped for it because I think you've got a huge opportunity. You've got Syracuse coming on Thursday night. You win this game, you go to three and one in the ACC, four and four overall. You're probably going to be projected to make a ball game if you win this game. And I think it's going to get the fan base entirely back on your side. If you lose, now you're kind of like back to like, oh, well, we're, you know, we might go four and eight, five and seven. So I think there's a lot riding on this game. I mean, I know it's a, you know, it might seem like just a matchup between two mediocre ACC teams and maybe it is, but this is a, this is, this could be a huge confidence boosting win for VT. So regardless, uh, this, they, they got to win this game. And so I got, I got Hokies by four. Brian. I've got the Hokies winning 27, 20. Um, I think this is going to be the win that, if they're not already gets the fan base fully bought into what Pry is doing um, and, and what the the team is doing and the steps that we're taking going forward um, to build this program back up. Um, I don't think that it, this is a monumental win if it happens, but what it, what it proves is that you can go into a Thursday night game in prime time in your home stadium and beat a team that, at least on paper, is as good or better than you are. There you go. And I think that's an important hurdle to get over for this staff and this team is going out there and taking care of the business consistently in those type of matchups. Um, you know, we've seen Wake Forest. We've seen Pitt. Those teams are probably in the bottom three or four of the ACC. Syracuse is more of a middle-of-the-pack team. If we can show we can get a victory against them, I think that will boost the confidence of the team, boost the confidence of the fan base. Yeah, and I'm with y'all. I do think the Hokies win this game, and I'm going to go um, 30-21. I think the Hokies win comfortably, um, and it's and it's – and it's I like what y'all said. This is that game that can springboard things for the fan base. Um, especially it's like we saw the pit game. It's like, oh, okay. We hadn't beat Pitt like that in years. Man, 
and beat the pit by multiple scores in years. You go to the FSU game, you show three good quarters um, of football against one of the best teams in the country, and then you have another good game against Wake where you do what you're supposed to do against a lesser team. Um, and, and to y'all's points, I think a lot of people are on the side regardless what happens this year. I mean, we're seven games in. We're already at three wins. Took 11 last year to get there. It also, what we were talking about, the issues that we're having, and I've said this a couple times, the issues we had last year, it literally lasted from game four to game 11, where there were issues starting with game two that roughly by game five, things were starting to change, right? Some guys weren't seeing the field. Play calling was changed. And I think now it's this is a real test for not only for the whole staff, but for Brent Prize, the head coach, because you're feeling good after weight. Can you get everybody grounded and say, that means nothing unless you don't go out there and beat their asses Thursday night. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to be 730. It's going to be on ESPN. We're going to have about three and a half million eyes on us. Go out there yep. and do it. Show that we are on the way to being who we were. Yeah, and this is that step forward. So Tally was talking about before Wake, how important Wake was to keep a bowl on the on the on the plate, right? Wake kept the yep. bowl on the plate. This is where you start putting yourself into that conversation because it is a more middle of the road ACC team because it is on Thursday night and it's a game that has a, a bunch of eyes on it. So this is where you take that next step. Yep. You, know, you had you had to get Wake behind you to even get to this point where this game matters and this game has some stakes attached to it. Now you're here. Go out there and handle the business. There you go. Sheldon, anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, it's like I was saying, it's just this is a game where you feel like everyone's coming in hype. It's Thursday night. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but this is one of those games in Virginia Tech lore where you look back on it and say, man, what a what a classic Virginia Tech game to lose. So I just think it's a it, I just think it's a big game, man. Like you just gotta win this to get the fan base on your side. Like if you go into the, the Louisville week four and four, three and one, like I mean, you're feeling pretty good. So it's just it, it's a big game. Can I say this? You talked about the classic Lestown game. Let this be the place where it regoes the other way where it did for years, where Thursday nights was yeah. You come in here and play on Thursday night, you're not going to win. You're not going to win this game. And on some of those Thursday nights, it was not only a win, it was a damn beatdown. Right. And can we peak that? Can we get through this thing of losing Thursday nights? Can we start going back the right way in what history tells us the way it should be? All right. Anything breaking in the last hour and 17? Tally joined us live here. Hey, <laughs> hey man. The, the the links in, in Twitter jump on. <laughs> links in Twitter jump on. He's driving, I think. We missed you tonight, Tally. We know you'll be back next week, man. Maybe Tally will jump on do a space on Wednesday night or something. Who knows? All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast, brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. And I am Shelton Moss. Visit our website, boundarycornervt.com. <laughs> to uh, listen to all of our episodes. See what we said years ago about uh, Garrett Schrader. That'd be a good one, right? Because <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, yeah, I think he had only started like one game at that one point One game then, and he freaking torched us for 45. Let's not talk about that. Um, we also have the merchandise shop at Boundary Corner Store. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Twi- 
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> Subscribe on our YouTube, your favorite podcast source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out. Visit him at jasonlongmusic.com where you can link to all of his music, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, his Facebook, and YouTube pages. Also, got his upcoming live performances on there as well. He keep those updated. Support him down in Roanoke. And as always, we thank y'all for listening. And let's go. Hokies. Hokies.